Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Hello and welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. This is a weekly podcast that will bring you into the loop of what women are talking about this week. Welcome to all of our new subscribers and thank you for leaving a review. Some of them really make me laugh. I'm Monique Bowley and I'm responsible for this podcast and I'm joined by content producer Jesse Stevens. Hi, Jesse. Hello. And this week, Mia Friedman's back on book tour meeting you all in the flesh. So stepping in is the host of this glorious mess, Holly Wainwright. Good day, Mons. Good day. Good day. Coming up today, it's time to say goodbye to chalkboards and flower crowns at weddings. I know. Crimea River. Vogue has issued a list, a fatwa of the 14 wedding trends that are now well and truly out of fashion. And age gaps. Why is it still taboo for women to date men significantly younger than them? Does age in a relationship really matter all that much? Plus, have you found yourself being offended at some of the Facebook ads that are targeting you? It's the modern dilemma. But first, okay... I am fully obsessed with this story of Cassie Sainsbury. She's this 22-year-old SA woman who is now in prison in Colombia after being caught with 18 bags of cocaine on her traveling between Colombia and Australia. And this story has been everywhere, but you might have missed it. So I'll just bring you up to speed. Her family deny that the drugs were hers and insist that she's set up. She was just a humble mule in some big drug game. And she says, guys, I was just buying these headphones as wedding gifts that I bought from a local guy who I trusted. She never opened the packets or checked and now she's in jail and she's looking at a sentencing of 25 years, which is pretty drastic. But there are so many cracks in this story. I've gone deep on it. So her sister says she was over there on a solo marketing trip to promote personal training. But then her boyfriend says she was traveling because she helped manage a commercial cleaning business with international clients. Her family then said that she was due to continue on her working holiday to give presentations in London, France, and Hong Kong. But serious question, like I'm from Adelaide, right? If there really is a commercial cleaning firm there that has international clients, if they really sent a 22-year-old girl without a LinkedIn account or any qualifications to give a marketing presentation across the globe, why haven't they come forward to vouch for her? And the timeline makes no sense either. So she was detained on April the 11th and her sister was supposed to pick her up on Good Friday, which is April the 14th. If you factor in the flying time, which is probably 24 hours, How could she make presentations in Hong Kong and France and London? Finally, electronics aren't cheap in Colombia. If you're going to shop for headphones, get them in Hong Kong. (laughs) (sighs) That's so true. God, you've really picked some... It's not looking good for Cassie. It's not looking good for Cassie based on that assessment of the facts, Monique Bowley. I want to believe that she's just a naive girl from the country. I do, I do, but there's so many unanswered questions. Guys, why are we so obsessed with this story? I think we absolutely love a bad girl story. And that's the way it's looking for Cassie at the moment, is that with all these facts that the media are uncovering and all this digging that we're all doing, is um, we think that she did it. Now, you know, mm. courts will prove whether or not she did it. But we are obsessed with bad girl stories because it's still a surprise to us. It's still a shock to us that a young woman 
might do something like this. One of the things that I thought the minute I saw Cassandra is that we love to judge. So, you know, that's one of the things that we all just do as a hobby, right? And as soon as you hear 22-year-old South Australian woman arrested in Colombia with drugs, the first thing you do is go to find a picture of her. Yeah. Am I right? And then you make a whole world of assumptions based on that picture, which is vastly unfair, to be honest, because mm. let's face it, we all have pictures of ourselves out there doing whatever. So they'll the, obviously the press will find pictures of her looking like she's partying, looking like she's having a great time, showing tattoos. You know, some people will be saying, oh, she's got her nose pierced, clearly a party girl, all these oh, things. I did that. I did that. I, no, we just make all these judgments based on a couple of photos. And it's really, really interesting. I think we still struggle to believe that young women can be bad. Uh, the other thing that I saw, apart from the photos, was how people had deep-dived on her Facebook statuses. Mm. So it was like her t- tumultuous love life. And there were statuses from six years ago that said, I'm over you, leave me alone. Or like, some guys are complete assholes. And news.com, I think, had... Uh, found them and posted them as though they were evidence of some tortured young woman. And I went, okay, so she would have been, if that was six years ago, she would have been about 16 Mm. when she was writing those. Heaven forbid we've ever done anything slightly embarrassing on social media. I went through, you know, they've got that on this day feature on Facebook. I'm horrified by some of the things that I posted. You could construct the most horrible narrative about me via my social media accounts. I want to go through and delete them. That's so true. And also, God, if you were wrongly accused of doing anything like this, God forbid you had ever done anything bad, as you say, yeah. or that you had ever posted a picture of yourself where you may have made a joke about drugs or anything like that. But the other thing you have to really hope if you find yourself in the middle of a tabloid feeding frenzy like this is that all of your family are lovely people who are not short of a few bob because mm. the next thing that happens is that all of her family and every dodgy uncle and cousin and every man she's ever kissed and everything will be getting the call to spill some dirt on her. Um, I worked a woman's day during the whole Chappelle Corby um, drama back in the day. And my God, the calls we'd get from sources and family members and all kinds of people just wanting to sell stories on her. So you really have to hope that you are squeaky, squeaky clean. Oh. And so is everybody in your family. And I think I had an argument with someone this morning, believing that she's guilty and feeling compassion are not two mutually exclusive things. And I think a lot of people think that they are. So I feel if this was a decision that she made and it was a bad decision and she's 22 and maybe she felt desperate or maybe she didn't or whatever, the bottom line is I feel really sorry for her. I feel really sorry for the situation that she's in. I feel sorry for her family. Uh, The next, whether it's the next 20 years, 25 years that she spends in prison or whether she doesn't, it would be terrifying, and on a human level, I I feel compassion. I've watched Narcos. Has anyone here watched Narcos? No. No, no like the Colombian prison, not fun. Banged oh. Up Abroad. <laughs> Banged Up Abroad is my go-to. I'm addicted to that show. And when I was in Bali, I um, deep-dived on Chappelle Corby. I read all these biographies. I read... Um, a big, uh, this big book about Hotel K, they call it, which is the uh, prison that she's currently in. Mm. And it's absolutely terrifying. Like the conditions. I mean, she. Um, she's not in it anymore, actually. These days she's yeah, out. Yeah, exactly but, right. But, but she was that for a long time. Experience. And I mean, I can understand, like, everyone obviously has different uh, laws when it comes to trafficking drugs. But I mean, like, the level to which you pay for it is pretty enormous. 
It's also just the case that, yes, as you say, she might, she did, if, if she did it, she did something very stupid. She is about to be punished for it. It will be horrible. Do we all need to pile on as well? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. I don't know. What do you think about that, Mon? I th- do you know, I think there, but for the grace of God, go I. Like, what if someone did trick her? What if, I don't know, I just feel like we're all so quick to pile on and jump to all these conclusions, but. Whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? She's proclaimed she's innocent and so is her family. And it's like no one's buying it. The family doesn't have any choice but to say she is innocent. The only option is to proclaim innocence. No, the other option is to not say anything, mm. which is which would probably be the smart option and the one that you would be advised to take is just don't say anything. When Today FM call, just go, sorry, busy. Yeah, yeah. the media would presume guilt, though. When they, well, they would, but they'd have less ammunition. Um, the story will spin out for longer the more they have to feed on. So as you were saying before, in this age of social media, there is, there's so much out there that people can feed on yeah. anyway. They can just go diving. But if nobody talks to them, they've got less to play with. And this is going to do her and her trial absolutely no favours. So I know with uh, Chappelle Corby, when I was reading all those books, it said that the lawyer who came out and uh, basically said on a current affair or something that the Balinese system, the Indonesian system, was corrupt, uh, that was a defining moment in the court proceedings because it had to then be, she had to have an example made of her, which is like the the headlines, yeah, they add ammo. Do you think it's also because you know how we're all obsessed with true crime and we all really fancy ourselves as being armchair detectives? Yeah. So basically we just love to do what you did last night, Mons, which is to do the deep dive, find out about how much headphones cost in Colombia, (laughs) find out how much they weigh, decide whether or not that would be a really shit gift for your wedding party anyway. And then jump to our own conclusions about that. So really it just satisfies lots of little not particularly attractive needs in ourselves to, you know, pretend we know stuff we don't know, pass judgment on people we've never met. (laughs) Poor Cassie. No, poor Cassie. Do you know, it did make me think though, you know how in your phone you've got, have you got a number under ICE, I-C-E, like in case of emergency? No. (laughs) You heard that? So you're supposed to put a phone number of some of your emergency contact under the ice so that if you if you are in an accident emergency services can just go to your phone and go to ice and call the person that's under that name see i'd be worried that they thought i was a drug dealer (laughs) if i had ice in my phone it was my ice hooker i didn't know that mom that's very helpful so i think maybe we need something like a photograph that in case of emergency people can send to the newspapers yes (laughs) yes so true something that we look very uh worthy and And very wholesome Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and you know what? We also need loved ones to have our Facebook passwords so they can shut that shit down as yes. soon as it gets real. Yeah. There should be a That's, button you can push on yeah, Facebook. just like, goes, emergency, oh. I'm in the me- a media storm, boom, blackout. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Okay. In case you missed it, the AFL made history again this week, appointing the first female chief executive to a club. Woohoo! Yes. Dual Olympic road cyclist and very smart lady, Tracy Gordry, has been appointed the CEO of Hawthorne. She's a woman with no AFL background. And a lot of people were like, hooray, this is game changing, including me, because she's incredibly well accomplished. But, 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 I could not help but think something. So she's joining Hawthorne at the lowest point in the last decade. They are now second to bottom on the ladder. A lot of the club's good players and administrators have been poached by other teams because they won a few premierships. The club needs to raise significant capital and it's been described as a challenging period for the club by all and sundry. 
So even she said herself, we're going through a patch I'm not happy with. And I just couldn't help but think, is this the glass cliff again? In case you're not aware of the glass cliff, do do you want to explain it, Jessie? So the glass cliff is when basically a business or a company or even it happens in politics, there's a high chance of failure. And what we see is that disproportionately women get offered positions when it's very likely that they're going to fail. So rather than the glass ceiling, it's like they just fall to their death. And I think it's a really interesting theory. I think it has um, a grain of truth to it. But then I was thinking about replacing CEOs and and what happens at 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 the top when you kind of um, have a changeover of leadership. And I'd say nine times out of ten, it's when there's it's a period of instability. It's a period where things in the business aren't going particularly well. So they think, okay, we've got to uh, we've got to get someone else in there. So I'm not sure. I'm trying not to be a cynic and to think that this is definitely positive. And maybe they think that she's the best person to revive this club. She's the best person for the job. The other thing is about the glass cliff, which is definitely a thing. But you could argue that at least it still offers opportunity. Because when Theresa May became the Prime Minister of Britain last year, straight after that, the historic Brexit vote... I was there. I remember at the time on holiday and I remember thinking glass cliff. This has glass, glass cliff written all over it. Like she, this is the most difficult thing that anybody's going to be able to do is deal with this mess. Everybody who was involved in campaigning for Brexit immediately put their hands up and said, Oh, we don't want to actually do this. Like yeah. they all resigned and disappeared. And Theresa May was left holding the baby. She is now less than a year on the most popular British prime minister since the late 1970s. Now, I personally am not a fan of her politics or her position, but she has definitely taken ownership of that horrible mess and at least convinced the public that she knows what she's doing. So, you know, sometimes the glass cliff can still be the um, the trophy, the shining <laughs> crystal trophy. Yeah, I understand that point. But the researchers that have looked at this glass cliff say that organisations that do this win either way because if the woman succeeds like Theresa May the company's better off and they get all the credit for being egalitarian and progressive if she fails then the company's like oh well we're nowhere worse off and we can't be blamed like at least we tried at least we tried to be progressive and look how it turned out in any case sources say that it's quite the opposite, that the club's going through a bad time now, but they're a very well-run club both on and off the field and they have very high standards and good values and the president is young and impressive and they're seeing it as an opportunity and that there's a real shift of attitudes going through the AFL. So it's a very hopeful space. So, yeah, that's the cynic in me. Mm. Good luck to you, Tracy Gordry. Yes, good luck, Tracy. Are you addicted to Pinterest planning your wedding even if you don't have a fiancé yet? Do you love judging others' weddings? Well, get out your notepad because according to Vogue, there are precisely 14 wedding trends that must completely be avoided in 2017. Tell me, tell me. Okay, just guess, holy guess. What do you never want to see again at a wedding? I'm seeing an enormous amount of like rustic style like food trucks and, you know, like little pop-up stalls and things like that at weddings at the moment. Are they cool? Correct. They are out. Ah, out. Jessie? I have seen this trend of bouquets that are 
bigger than the person holding them or like they seem to almost be connected and all the bridesmaids like they've you know what 15 bridesmaids there's something i'm a bit over like just endless bridesmaids but this enormous flowers that are covering your face and all the photos mm, correct that's out Sneakers with your dress or your tux, so out. It's over. That's mean. That would, but well, you need to be comfy. No. Yeah, look, you can be comfy every other day of the year. Agree. Uh, No teepees, no feathers or arrows. Dream catchers are out. That's what I I should have gone for, the hippie vibe. (laughs) Yep. Flower crowns, they're out. Oh. They didn't last long. No, they didn't. Oh, I saw a wedding with a flower crown just last week. I wasn't at it, but I witnessed it. She had bare feet too, flower crown and bare feet. Oh, I wore no. a flower crown to my uh, first Holy Communion. So did I. Yes. Oh. I wore a flower crown when I got married to Jesus as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, surely, Mons, surely, really, although this is a lot of fun, surely you can do whatever the F you like with your wedding and bugger off Vogue, don't you think? Yes, of course you can, but... It doesn't matter what you do, it's going to date. Because their whole argument is like, oh, it's going to date really badly if you do these things. But everything dates, and that's part of the fun. Like, go with what's hot at the moment, and it will be even funnier when you look back at the pictures in 20 years' time and go, why did we think sitting on hay bales was a good idea? Like, (laughs) it's funny. While we're bitching, can I add one to the pile, to the trash, the flaming trash heap that's weddings? Yeah. I'm sorry, brides. I'm just going to go the hack on you. My most hated wedding trend – personalized jam jar glasses with the handle on the side and the straw through the top. Do you know what the ones I mean? Yes, yes, I do. Like, what do I you do. put in those glasses? Probably vodka sunrise or something bogan. But sorry, <laughs> but jam jars are what hicks in trailer parks used to drink from yes. because they couldn't afford glasses. And now people are like, let's have jam jars at our wedding. No, bring back normal glasses. Thank I 100% you. agree. But yeah. you know what? This this session, as much as I'm kind of enjoying it, is everything I hate about weddings and why I, know, and why I, I will know. never get married. It's why I will never get married. Like, you invite all these people to come to your special freaking day that you've spent your life <laughs> doing. Bitch about and the all details. they do is they mention that your dress doesn't fit you and that your glasses are bogan and that you've got a chalkboard. I mean, like, I I'm not getting married ever. That just is the worst. Um, I really hate when uh, I used to see this. I saw this once at the golf club and I thought this is the worst thing I've seen. Beer, what do they call Like a beer holder? Oh, yeah. A stubby holder. Oh, we, I've got loads of those in my cupboard. Oh, no. Like, from weddings. No, I didn't like that. I didn't like I it. I know. But what if you met over a beer? It's oh, beautiful. Save it. I hate people throwing the bouquet. <gasps> Agree. Hate that. That should not even be allowed. Why? And I also hate giant bridal parties. I'm with you. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just awful. Like it assumes this thing about everybody else, all the other women there that they want to get married yeah. and that there's some kind of fated thing about it. Bullshit. And they know? all like stumble over each other and then the guy takes the garter and throws it to the guys and all the guys are like, oh, I don't want to go anywhere yeah. near it. And they all run in the opposite direction. I'm like, you do this every wedding and it's never funny. Like it's, it's super sexist. I, know. I hate it. I think the thing is, is there's a time in your life when you go to a lot of weddings, right? Like I know people who are about 30 and they're at a wedding every single weekend. And I don't really go to very many weddings anymore because I'm old. And so when you're going to a wedding every single weekend, of course you need a lot of things to bitch about because, yeah. you know, otherwise they just all flow into one. Because they do kind of flow into one big thing, <laughs> let's face it, don't they? They all have the same thing. But ultimately, like, that's the worst. You're spending all this money and inviting all these people, and then they're just slagging you off. Oh, I know. It is, it is sad. It's as sad as it is fun. 
But I love the Vogue story. Like, I just, I love the people at Vogue just arbitrarily going, all white is out, darling. No more all white. And they're like, oh, damn, I just planned an all white wedding. What am I going to do? Group email. Group email immediately. Wear black. Everybody wear black. <laughs> oh, here, I've got a fun story for you. Have you ever wished that you could make nasty internet trolls eat their words? Well, now you can. This woman in New York has set up a business called Troll Cakes, which takes nasty internet comments and then ices them on top of a cake and ships it to the troll to eat. And it arrives with a certificate that says, congratulations, your internet comment has been turned into a chocolate chip brownie cake. And it was founded by this baker, Kat Thick, and she says there's nothing poisonous about the cakes. They're delicious. I'm just killing people with kindness. That's How funny flo- is that? That's the flaw in the business you know, plan. The fact that the cakes aren't poisonous is the flaw in the business <laughs> plan. Because trolls should not be rewarded with cake. No cake for trolls. I think we should get the cake if we get trolled. Get the tro- your troller's comment made into a cake and then eat it yourself. Delish. Absolutely. Yum, yum. Yeah. For 35 bucks, you can send a troll a cake. Or for 30 bucks, you can send a troll cake of a Trump tweet to the White House. Oh, that would be good. Oh. Mm. I know exactly what these cakes taste like. They are the taste... Of bitterness and loneliness. <laughs> oh. Hatred and loneliness, that's what they are, with a scent of cellar. <laughs> Coming up next, age gaps in relationships. But first... Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Mamma Mia Out Loud! (laughs) Holly... Is there something you need to get off your chest? There really is. So I don't want to alarm the younger listeners here, but I'm in my 40s and my Facebook feed has changed. So among all the beautiful pictures of everybody's kids on the first day of school, and look, I've done that, but, you know, they all look the same. Hello. But I'm just getting endless, endless ads for slippers. Now, any woman in their 40s who's listening to this knows exactly the slippers that I mean because they're a very particular type. I'm not going to name check them because they don't deserve it. (laughs) But they're a very particular type of slightly hipsterish slippers that we're all supposed to have and they are bombarding me daily. And if I'm not getting those, I'm getting ads for wrinkle fillers, right? So it's anti-aging slippers and the occasional snuggie. And every now and again, just to throw in just how wonderful it is to be moving on in age, I get something for incontinence. (laughs) And all I I work in digital media, so I understand data. I don't really have many problems with the whole data targeting thing. You know, they often offer me things I do want to buy. But I'm just like, what are you trying to tell me, Facebook? Should I just give up now? Have you ever got any for a nursing home or a retirement <laughs> village? Have they come up yet? Or Not yet, it? but I'd be like, oh, that looks peaceful. <laughs> I wonder if I could go there now. Oh God, that's no, like it's like so- Facebook. I'm not like women in their 40s are not giving up. We're not wearing slippers and snuggies and just, you know, well, we are kind of shooting our face full of anti-wrinkle <laughs> cream. That bit might be true. But like apart from that, come on. Be, be more positive and optimistic about what women in their 40s are interested in. Holly, I have never been advertised a pair of slippers. Oh, what do women I in hear- their 20s get advertised? I am getting teeth whitening all the time. 
which is a bit bizarre. Travel. I, I, I would start taking that personally. Because <laughs> the wrinkles one, I'm like, photos. is this photo recognition? <laughs> have they decided I have too many wrinkles? You could, they could be doing that with I your know. teeth. Not that you need it. I have a theory um, that Facebook, like, eavesdrops on your conversations. Because mm. my sister said once, this was when Video Easy Popcorn was real big. She turned to me and she goes, oh, I feel like some Video Easy Popcorn. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And then we went on Facebook about 15 minutes later, and there it was. And I just think it's listening to us all the bloody time. I used to get ads for Christian singles. And I'm not Christian, but it, it thought, oh, Jesse might be interested in a little Because you commented Christian on man. someone once saying, oh, my God, he's hot. That's yeah, it. exactly right. Yeah. And he happened to be Christian. And then they're like, oh, she's got a Christian fetish. How about you, Mons? Okay, I'm in my 30s. And Facebook is being so passive-aggressive about my life stage. I get... <laughs> I get um, those wee sticks that you wee on when you're ovulating so you can work out when to have a baby. And then I get holidays. So Facebook's like, just relax, babe. Just go on a holiday and (laughs) wee on these sticks. You'll be right. Like, f*** you, Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Damn it. Okay, can I? And it's irritating you, Mons. Yeah, okay, it's my turn. (laughs) While we're here. MasterChef's back on our screens. And isn't that great? People are loving it. And it's the real antithesis to My Kitchen Rules. You know, it's warm and it's friendly and it's gorgeous and it's uplifting. It's full of like soaring music and people's beautiful stories. But every time I watch it, I can't help but think something. It's narrated by a man and the judges are all men, Gary, George and Matt. And across the nine years, there's been seven male judges and mentors and only three women, one of who only lasted one season. Sarah Wilson was dumped straight after season one. Kylie Kwong appeared as a mentor in season six and Nigella Lawson appeared as a guest judge at one point or another. Uh, I'm talking about the proper season judges and mentors here. I think there's been spin-off shows where Anna Gare was on it and like Maggie Beers maybe come in for one thing here and there. Okay? She turns up a lot. She yeah, does. Maggie. Dear Maggie. But even the official cookbook from season one had recipes from the top 20 contestants and top Australian and international chefs, and they were all men too. Like, I'm just like, fest. would you like some bread and tomato sauce with that sausage fest, Channel 10? Because here, like, am I overreaching on this? Was this the same? Was MasterChef the one who had that men versus women super gendered ad like a few years ago? Yeah. And it was, it was super sexist. I remember hating it. But I've never watched MasterChef. George not- and Gary and Matt just up there in their suits, just like, nom, 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 like lording about in their masculinity. <laughs> and I'm just, would it be so hard to have one female judge? No, it wouldn't be hard to have a female judge. However, it would be hard to mess with the formula. Those three are some of the most popular judges on reality TV because they're seen as not being mean. And so they've got like now MasterChef's brand is like, we're so sunny and nice and supportive of everybody. And so they're like, how do we mess with that formula? So now, you know, they'll throw Maggie Beer in a lot. They'll probably try and get some more women, actual competitors to break up the sausage fest. But how do they break up Gary and Matt Mm. and George? And how about the winners? Are they split in terms of men and women? Yeah, they are. There's more women that have won men only by Mm. one person. Yeah. It's also very reflect, like, um, that food industry is still very male dominated. It is, yeah. It's still the case that all the famous chefs that you can, well, not all, but the majority of famous chefs that you can name are men. So the sausage fest of the MasterChef panel probably <laughs> reflects the sausage fest of all those poncy like best restaurant in the world yeah. parties yeah, and that's things. That's so true. Come on, get a chicken there. <laughs> Coming up next. 
a podcast that you won't want to miss in recommendations. But before we get there, if you're planning on having a baby or you're up the duff, you should head on over to our podcast called Hello Bump. Because this month, we're talking about being bamboozled in baby shops and how there are so many unnecessary items you do not need. So get smart. Don't lose your baby brain and your wallet all over the place. We have a guide to just the essentials that you need. It's very handy. So it's Hello Bump. You can get it in iTunes or the Mamma Mia podcast app. Mamma Mia out loud! The French presidential election is going to be held this weekend. Marine Le Pen is going up against Emmanuel Macron. But as often happens with election campaigns, the last few weeks have become much more about their personal lives and their politics because this 39-year-old Macron is married to a 63-year-old Brigitte Trogneux. It's a 24. Your accent is impeccable, Marie. Is impeccable accent there. Love it. Don't all the French listeners write in at once, please. <laughs> okay. That is a 24-year age gap. Sacre bleu. The rumours have run rampant. There's all these theories that actually Macron is in fact gay because, you know, why else would he be with a 63-year-old woman? And he's using Trogneux as a decoy and people are obsessed with the inner workings of this marriage. But most of all, people are just perplexed by it. What is a 39-year-old doing with a 63-year-old woman? But interestingly, Macron is not the only world-renowned politician to have a 24-year age gap in his marriage, isn't he, Jesse? Yeah. yeah, there's another. There's another one that we might have heard of. Who could which it be? I believe um, there's this family in the states called the the Trumps, and Donald and Melania Trump have a 24 year age gap. But the only difference is that 70 year old Donald Trump is the one who's older. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't is even it? I didn't know that it was that big until like I kind of went oh pretty sure there's an age gap there, but it is not something that the media kind of uh, bats an eyelid about. That's kind of expected. What is it about a big age gap when the woman's older that makes us so uncomfortable? I think that there are a lot of assumptions. It's interesting because we've had kind of, you know, you look at second and third wave feminism and women have come a long way, but it's almost as though in a lot of ways it hasn't infiltrated relationships or it hasn't completely redefined heterosexual relationships because I am currently in a relationship with someone who's younger than me and the assumptions that you can see people make. And in fact, one of the biggest fears that I had was telling people. And I was so hesitant because you could see it in their faces and the things that people say to you that indicate that they're not quite comfortable with it make you feel like your relationship isn't legitimate. So it's like, can't you get someone your own age? Uh, there's an assumption that you're with someone who's kind of, this isn't going to be long lasting because they can't possibly have the same ideas when it comes to sort of commitment. Um, he just likes you because you're older and that's like, and it's cool for the guy and it's not cool for the girl. Um, you just like being in charge. I think there's that as well. Uh, you're immature and you're not growing up, whereas everyone else is with, you know, 30-something-year-old guys and maybe they've got marriage and kids on the horizon, but you're still stuck at this kind of early 20s stage. Like, I really, really sense that. And I think it's such a shame and it's so behind. And I see girls hold the same view, women rather, when it comes to height. So, like, before you've even begun, you've just crossed off so many potential partners when age doesn't it just doesn't matter. Like, look, I don't think it matters in like 
I am entirely in full support and agreement about this idea that, uh, like, younger men, older women, is our prejudices about that are ridiculous. Yes. And I can assure you that actually when you get to be as ancient as me, a lot of my good friends are with younger men Mm. um, and are married to younger men and have kids with younger men and nobody gives a shit. But age does matter. It matters whether whichever way it is, whether it's the man who's much older than the woman, whether it's the woman who's much older than the man, because... Of course, there are individual love stories that transcend all this stuff. But there, there's a lot to be said for understanding each other's where you're at and levels of maturity and all those things that are, they are real. They're not imagined. Like, yes, they're but- not, they're not, it's like, so I've, for example, I've got a friend who's about my age. Yes. And I've known him for years. And as he's gotten older, all of his girlfriends have stayed exactly the same age. So he just, there's every, every time we get together, there's another 24 year old, right? And he's 45. So he's 45. All of his girlfriends are 24 all the time. And they're lovely, right? I'm not, and I work with lots of young women. So I'm not saying I have any prejudices about young women, but there is no doubt that that 24 year old, at the dinner table with mm. all the 40-somethings, it's not, they're not in the same place. The conversations aren't the same. Yes. Their experience levels aren't the same. The conversations you can have about the world aren't the same. Now, I'm not saying that it's desirable that we're all the same. I mean, that's boring. But you can't pretend it's not true. And also, my personal experience, I went out, when I was about 30, early 30s, I went out with a guy for quite a long time who was much younger than me. And I didn't want it to matter, especially because he was like really hot, which I know is another terrible stereotype <laughs> that we have about older women and younger men, but it was kind of true. And, but it did end up mattering enormously because yeah. all that our gap in experience became a big deal between us. Like all the things I'd done and the places I'd been and the boyfriends I'd had in those years in between were like, it became a big thing. And I think, so although I, I don't in any way support the prejudice around older women, younger men, or younger women, older men. I mean, whatever rocks your clock. But <laughs> I think it is naive to suggest that age doesn't matter. It matters. So that's really interesting. So you're saying it's not the external factors that led to that relationship breaking down, but it was the internal ones where, where the age gap was evident to you because both. Because the shock passes like when i had to tell everybody that i was dating a guy who was much yeah. younger than me they all went through all that excitement oh mrs robinson oh how exciting oh you know like they all loved that and his and older men friends would be like oh my god where was my 30 year old girlfriend when i was 22 you know they were there was lots of that but that they get over it and everyone stops seeing that and your friends will get over seeing your younger partner and then you're just like everybody else but between us that gap in experience yeah. just got bigger and bigger and bigger I think that maturity is far less indexed on age than we assume. I have found that the big deal breakers end up being things like values and perspectives and maybe upbringing and all all those kind of things come into it. And I don't know if experiences in your life stage necessarily is as big a deal as we might initially assume is to think like you know you might be coming from and there might be something interesting in that that you're coming from slightly different places but there's nothing to say my mum had always said to me you've got to be with someone older you've got to be with someone older because everyone my age seemed like really kind of immature and lost and that kind of thing 
But I think there are 45-year-old men that are immature and lost. That is true. That 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 is 100 million percent yeah. true. Of course that's true. And there are many exceptions to this rule. What I don't like, though, is that there are guys who I'm friends with who have exactly the same age gap when it comes to their girlfriends, and they're the ones giving me shit, going sort of like... And they, it's like we wouldn't even discuss that if we go to dinner and they rock up with a 20-year-old or whatever. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And it's it's just a non-story. But for me, it's like this big kind of ongoing joke, and I find that such a double standard. Yeah, it is. What do you think, Mons? Uh, I don't really give a shit about people's age gaps. Like, if you have really? enough common ground and you have the same core values, then it shouldn't matter how old you are. No, I don't. I know you've lived through it and your lived experience. I'm not taking no, that no, away from you. No, but what about the public people? What about the obsession with Macron and his 63-year-old wife? Do you have any judgment? Not really. I don't, like, I don't really care. Is that bad? Just how, how about you? It's good. You're Mons. evolved. You're much more evolved yeah. than anybody else, clearly. It, it all but, fucking, you know what? You're all the same height lying down. And also, it doesn't matter what's on the outside. It matters what's on the inside. Oh, my God. She's such a married woman. <laughs> Do you think that's why? Do you think that's really why 70-year-old man marry 23-year-old women? Yeah, because on the inside is like a little soft penis that they would like to get, to get hard. <laughs> So it does matter what's on the inside for them. That's exactly right. Have you dated shorter men, Mons? Uh, I've dated the men that are the same height as me. Would you date a man who's shorter than you? Yeah. I've met heaps of great men who are shorter than me. So you don't put any barriers in, he- in age and height? No. People get over it really quickly. Yeah. yeah. I think people get over everything. I think, mm. I think that the age difference thing people do get over too as long as they see that people are happy. Yeah. But also, but- like, it <clears throat> makes people seem small-minded when they call out stuff like that I I know I know but it's interesting because uh, all right and I'm just going to say one more thing about this that I think is bigger than individual small-mindedness that one of the reasons why a lot of my friends who are similar ages with me have settled down with guys younger than them is because a lot of the guys the same age as them when they found themselves single were dating women much younger than them right so Mm. there was nobody there's nobody in your pool anymore yeah now, as much as I'd love to think that this is all just about the individual, like you do, Mons, and isn't it? If you love each other, it doesn't matter, and blah blah. That's not true. This is that's there is a societal, cultural thing going on there, where men are going after the hot young yes. things. That's and so, so I knew I had girlfriends around me who are in their mid to late thirties, amazing women, but all the guys around them wanted to date twenty-one-year-old Instagram models, yes. right? And so. The younger guys, and I know I'm generalizing, but the younger guys didn't have that bullshit and they were impressed by other things. And so that's why that's happened. That's how that's Mm. ended up. And so there are lots of powerful, smart women I know with younger partners, but it's not, I'd, I'd love to think that this is all just about individual little flowers, but it's not. There is a societal cultural thing going on there about men liking younger women. Yeah, there just is. And I think that the Donald Trumps of the world have always played by those rules. We've all heard all the jokes about Melania's at that age where he'd probably be trading her in now, except he can't because he usually does trade all his wives in when they get to a certain age. And so I think that the the prejudices around women and age play into this. All right. Recommendations. I'm totally obsessed with you. Recommendations. I'll start. So (laughs) I saw this on Business Chicks, which is a group I'm part of. So, you know, credit to them. It's their idea, but I'm ripping it off. Did you know that just 17% of Wikipedia bios are about women and only 15% of Wikipedia editors are women? 
That means there's a big underrepresentation of content on Wikipedia about women and stories from women's perspectives and kick-ass women. And when you consider that Wikipedia is basically like the modern Encyclopedia Britannica, it's just, we need to level the playing field a little bit. So... Think about where you work. Does your female CEO have a page or is there someone else in your circle with an amazing business or who's really cool or done something great that you could put on Wikipedia? It takes about half an hour to set up a page. There's there's a review process, so you can't just like put Mrs. Magoo up there. But um, there's like a seven-day review process. It's not completely straightforward, but there are steps online that can help. So if you can... Take the time to add a woman that you know so we can turn around the 17% statistic. That's my recommendation. Guys, Mia has one. I just Googled it. I know Mia's got one. Um, Annabelle Crabb has one. Lee Sales has one. I've already looked up like quite a few people who I thought, hmm, I should see. Oh, Tracy Gordry from the AFL CEO. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. got one already. But Holly, you don't have one. Do you have one, Monique Bowley? No. Oh, we should get you one. But then, Yeah. Let's make each other ones. Yeah, Should we? that's when you know you've made it. Can oh, we do it? We could do it as like a little gift to each other. <laughs> I didn't get you anything for your birthday, but I've set you up a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Let's do it. And like, yeah, no, that sounds really good. Okay. Jesse, what are you recommending? I am recommending, I have always been obsessed with this thing that was in the New York Times a little while ago about 36 questions that lead to love. And I remember looking at them and thinking that they seemed so interesting. And this psychologist has a theory that if you sit down with any human being and you do these questions and you look them in the eye, then you will fall in love with them. And I've always thought it seems a bit nonsensical and uh, not, not quite understood, but found it kind of fascinating. Anyway, I've done it with a few people this week. and they, Like people that you want to fall in love with or not? Well, people that I'm kind of already in love with and I want to deepen, like, my relationship like Claire and I sat down and did it and then I also did it with my boyfriend and they were so insightful and what was great is that you do them and you put your phone down and you look them in the eye and you tell each other stories that you wouldn't ordinarily tell them because that's that's the point so it's like getting to know someone at a whole different level so some of the questions are like what does your perfect day look like what are three things that you have in common with each other do you have a secret hunch about how you will die what is your most treasured memory and then things like sharing an embarrassing moment with each other and they're all designed to basically make you vulnerable and deepen your connection and what's great is that even on an individual level they're things you've never really thought about so what is the thing you value most about your life what was the best thing about your upbringing and I didn't have an answer when I saw the question and then the answer developed as I started speaking and I learned a lot about myself and what I value and it was super insightful and I just think everyone do it with a friend, do it with a parent, do it with your partner. Oh, I think that they're just absolutely, absolutely brilliant. I think I might be too late in my relationship to do it. Imagine if I, if on Friday night we went, let's not watch Netflix, let's do this and we just end up arguing all night. What do you mean that was your most treasured memory? <laughs> that was the worst day of my life. <laughs> I want my parents to do it. I'd love to know what they think because they're always bloody bickering and I'm like sit down and fall in love for goodness sake oh <laughs> sit down and fall in love <laughs> where can you get the 36 questions oh you just google it it's on New York Times it's it's everywhere and so it will give you the the 36 questions and they're in three stages so they get deeper as they go on you've got to do it in order and you've got to look at each other in the bloody eye and put your phone down unless your questions are on your phone 
Oh yeah, I had. I, had, I was reading the questions <laughs> off my phone, <laughs> but I put it down. I put it down as I was answering. I promise. How about you, Holly? What's your recommendation? My recommendation is a podcast this week. Obviously, I'm always recommending Mom and I would always recommend Mom and Mia podcasts above all things. But this weekend, I did listen to one of my other favorite podcasts, which is Death, Sex, Money. I have a crush on Anna Sale, who is the host of Death, Sex, Money, like the crush that many of our listeners have on Mons. I mean, I also have a crush on Mons, but I see her all the time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I just find her immensely warm and intelligent and insightful and I love her interviews and she's, anyway, she's awesome. Anyway, this week she sat down at a live show with Alec Baldwin, middle-aged white dude, sometimes problematic, Jesse, but hilarious guy and it is one of the most fun interviews I've listened to forever. He touches on everything from his cocaine addiction to the breakdown of his marriage to Kim Bassinger to getting together with his new, much younger wife and how they've had three children in three years. He's just very funny. He is just... The definition of movie star twinkle, like him, George Clooney, those old dudes, and I know they're a bit naff, but funny, 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 just 40 minutes of joy. Alec Baldwin on Death, Sex and Money. I freaking love Alec Baldwin. So do I. Oh, yes. I'm always surprised by how much I like yeah, him. Because he's yeah. a douche. It's all because of 30 Rock. Yeah. Tina yeah. Fey saved his ass. He was heading into that like oh, awful middle, like just, you know, he had that awful divorce. He called his daughter a pig on a phone message. That's it was just right. bad. But then she he took saved him. He yeah. took the piss out of himself or, and other middle-aged white guys on 30 Rock and suddenly everybody went, oh, you're amazing. He's got a bit of self-awareness. Yeah, that's so true. Great show. All right. Well, that's it for the week. Gosh. Uh, if you want to tell us what you think of the show or you want to weigh in on one of the things we had a chat about, leave us a voicemail. It might make it to the correspondence show. It's 02 9386 Mons, I just wanted to jump in to just, I know I keep talking, but the, one of my other recommendations would be the correspondence show. Mons, yes. tell them about the correspondence show. Okay, so we get a lot of correspondence now about the podcast, about all of our podcasts. And so I've started just to cobble them together into little mini episodes that you can listen to on the weekend so you know what everyone else is talking about. It's like Talkback Radio, but we're Talkback Podcast, I guess. So if you ring the voicemail line... There's a good chance you'll make it onto the Correspondence Show, which is good fun. So just look out for it in the Mamma Mia Out Loud feed. It's just called Correspondence. It's like a little surprise that drops whenever. So that's the Correspondence Show, leaving a voicemail 02-899-9386, and it can be for any podcast in the Mamma Mia podcast suite. I'm Monique Bowley. I've been with Holly Wainwright and Jesse Stevens. Ladies, what a pleasure. Thank you, Mons. See you, Mons. And a big thank you to our sponsors, Feld Entertainment's Disney on Ice presents Frozen. Talk to you next week. Are we going to get free tickets to Frozen? I really want to go. Who do I?